up? It's Raphael with the NBA Draft Junkies show. And I have a special guest. I'm really excited about this interview simply because it's a player that is one of my favorite prospects in this 2021 NBA draft class. I think he's really under the radar right now. A lot of people don't know the name, but they will know the name. It is Vrenz, and I'm, I don't have the accent to get the last name correctly, but it's Vrenz Blindberg from Belgium. What's up, Vrenz? What's up, man? How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Thank you for agreeing to, to come on the show. I, I really appreciate it. Um, but let's just get into like your, your background. So for those that don't know, are you listed at 6'10"? Are you 6'10 now? Ten. Yeah, barefoot, barefoot. 6'10", point guard, or point forward at the minimum. Yeah, point, more, more point forward, yeah. That's more point great. forward. Either way, he handles the ball, creative passer. I have like a really – man, I'm just big fans of, of versatile players that can put the ball on the floor, especially at your size. Like you, you move like a guard as far as like the – just how well you move, the court vision – and then I love the confidence and, and the flair, but we'll get into that later on. So tell me a little bit about your background. Like when did you first start playing basketball and when did you realize that I have a shot at being an NBA player? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I will start, first of all, I started when I was three years old. I started, I always played for the Antwerp Giants where I'm playing now from. So I, I really started from the youth, like from my three years old. So really the first level of the the enter giants and uh yeah i just started playing basketball because my family played basketball my grand my grandfather played basketball first division in belgium so it was really in the family but we didn't have like all high player like my daddy didn't play on a high level but he played basketball it was really in the family but not really high high level basketball so i'm i'm really the first one that's really playing the highest level so yeah, um, that's my background a little bit. So one of your teammates is my guy, Ibrahima. Ooh. Oh, Ibrahima Fafé, I, I like him. Yeah, I like he, uh, yeah, I mean, I see you throw him a lot of alley-oops. <laughs> I see you guys have yeah. a pretty good connection. Yeah. So I live in Dallas uh-huh. and summer okay. 2019, he spent pretty much the whole summer in Dallas. So I got a chance oh, yeah, to see yeah, him yeah. every day. He worked mm-hmm. out with uh, Frank Nilakina, um, Sekou, uh, Malcolm Casaline. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure you've probably played against against those guys at one time or another. So it's pretty cool to see the connection connections you have. So, and let's just talk about basketball in Belgium. When I think of basketball in Belgium, I think of Tony Parker simply because he was born there. But I know he's a, a French player, yeah. and yeah. not a lot of names are you know, big names come from Belgium. So, and so tell me about just basketball in Belgium overall. Um, I don't, I think the Belgium league is really a good league for young players to get experience, to get their minutes, to play on the first, first time on the high level. So Mm -hmm. like Silla and Nakic doing, like they're getting experience. um, They're getting a lot of minutes um, playing like on the professional level, but like the Belgian level is not the highest level in Europe. Everyone knows it. It's right. a little league. Two, two, three good teams in the league playing European level like Euro Cup and Champions League. 
uh, I tried my best there too. Like in the Euro Cup, I did really good things. Uh, but yeah, bad basketball, the Belgian basketball league is like, uh, yeah, two, three good teams that always are going for the title. But for the rest, it's, it's, a, it's a good league to grow up as a young player. Yeah, I noticed there's quite a few young guys. I think uh, Malcolm Kazlan played there last year, right? If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he played, uh, he played for Leuven, yeah. And then but he left. They never called the reason for it. So. Yeah, I know he switched agents and he went to, to Mega. Yeah. Yep. So, as far as like your experience, so you are in the, the Belgium League, but you're playing in the Euro Cup. So, you're yeah. getting really good experience in the Euro Cup. Mm-hmm. I know. A lot of the American fans aren't really familiar with basketball in Europe. They think the Euro League is one big league and everybody plays in it. They don't understand there's divisions, there's the Euro yeah, Cup, yeah. there's the Euro League, and then you have your domestic league. But you're playing yeah. in the Euro Cup, which is very competitive. I think, you know, NBA is the toughest league. I think the Euro League is second. And then I would say Euro Cup is probably just as competitive, if not better than college basketball or the G League in the States. But you've had a chance to play against some pretty high-level players. Like recently you played against Milos Teodosic, who is like one of my absolute favorite players Mm -hmm. to watch. And you had a great game. So how was that as such a, a young player to have the opportunity to play against a legend like Milos? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's crazy. Even because the coach wanted to put me on him in defense, it's great. It's a great opportunity to show yourself in the Euro Cup, playing like teams against Bologna. Mm-hmm. It's a great team. It's like a Euro League level team, and playing against these players like uh, Teodosic, it's a, it's a great player. It's a it's a legend. So it's it's a great opportunity to show myself, and. Um, yeah, I, th- I had some words with him, so it's it's kind of fun to play against these. And at a young age, like twenty, it's it's a huge opportunity to to do it. I I agree. I think it's like a great opportunity. I had an opportunity to live in Europe, so it was the 2016-17 season, and I spent that with uh, my good friend Epe Udo and with Fenerbahce. So I got a chance to go to almost all the Euroleague games. I was around a team. I got a chance to go to practices, see how Coach Obradovich ran everything. It was like the best experience of my life. And during that time, I really fell in love with basketball in Europe as far as just how different it is than the NBA. And one of my, I guess, issues with the NBA, in a sense, is that if you're a young player and a team drafts you, they may give you an opportunity to play, even if you're not ready. I feel like in Europe, if you're a young player and you're playing, it's because you're better than everyone else. Like you're not given minutes because there's no drafts. Like, you know, in the NBA, if you're bad, you get rewarded with a lottery pick. In Europe, if you're bad, there's no draft, there's no lottery. Every game is important. You want to win. So learning that, it just shows that, how special you have to be as a player to be 20 and you're playing and you have a significant role in in the Euro Cup. So how did you get to that point where you were able to gain the trust of your coach to be able to play big minutes in such a competitive league? Mm -hmm. 
Uh, I will start first off. It's really mentally. You got to be mentally really strong because you can get ups and downs. And on the downs, you got to be ready to step up. But I was lucky with my coach um, when I was younger. I was 16, 17 years old. He was my coach in second division, like the second team of Antwerp. Okay. And uh, when I started playing better and I grew up and I became fit more physical, uh, and when I went to the first team, he went the head coach of the first team. So that was a big opportunity for me to, because he trusted me really hard. He always trusted me. He, he put me on the court like 40 minutes in the second team. So he, had, he really had to trust and said I was a good player and I was about to make it. So that was a big opportunity for me. Then um, he, he never said like, you got to make 20 points this game in the Euro Cup. He always said, just play good defense. Your offense will come out of your defense because my 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 offense. I I got a lot of tools in my game, in my offensive game. So he always said like your offense will come if you play a good defense. And if you see in my games, I probably I try to get a lot of energy in the team, and yeah, just get my points. I, maybe I didn't score twenty point games, but I always always got around ten points, getting my assists, getting my boards. So it was always a good. I I always played a decent game. It's, it's it's always like mental, a mental game. Well, I don't think a lot of Americans understand how hard it is to score twenty points in Europe, because yeah. the game is shorter, the lane is more compact, it's more physical. Mm-hmm. I mean, even like the guys who lead the Euro League or Euro Cup in scoring might not average twenty a night. So scoring twenty mm-hmm. in the in Europe might be the equivalent of scoring twenty five to thirty, mm-hmm. and it doesn't happen as much. So but you mentioned something mm-hmm. that I wanted to talk about, and you, you talked about the tools in your game. When did mm-hmm. you start to or develop or work on like your guard skills and your passing, knowing that you were going to be big? Because a lot of times if yeah. they think if you're going to be a certain height, they're just going to throw you on the block and, and make you like yeah, a, that's a right. center. So how did you start to work? Or who put the ball in your hands to work on your – point guard skills or your guard skills? Uh-huh. I understand your question. Um, like in the, most of the youth teams in Belgium teams, they if you're tall, they put you in the block and they say you're a center. And uh, my coach in the youth said, uh, I had a great guard vision. I always played on the on the three, my, like from my six to my 10, I played on the three spot, but I had a really good passing and court vision. So after these years, um, they put me on the point guard. I always played in the youth on my point guard. And I became I become I became taller and taller. So at at that point I was so tall that point guard, okay, it was difficult to play because we had a lot of small guys, really like one meter eighty or one meter seventy. It was really small and I was like two, three, and it was really hard to play uh point guard. But I still proved myself. I, I kept I kept on practicing on my ball handling. So I still was a one-two player and I still can't play it because I really practiced on it and daily, yeah, work with my coach on my ball handling, on my core division, on my pick and roll game. So it was really my coach that put me in that position because not, not every coach in youth will do that. Right. And I think it ends up being an advantage because let's say for the NBA, you may end up playing the four or the three but every team is looking for a secondary ball handler, a secondary initiator. And if you're on a court with a really good point guard, then you have two guys that can make plays for others, two guys that can play in the pick and roll. So 
that's why I'm so high on you as a prospect, because I think with the right coach and the right system, he'll be able to maximize your skills and just, I mean, just use all the tools that you have in your toolbox. Now, this is a debate that I have with people from time to time. Do you think court vision can be taught or do you think it's something that you're born with? No, nah, it's boring with. I, that's, I'm pretty I agree. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I agree. Because there, sure I mean, there are that. players that they don't have vision. Like they can only make simple passes, even point yeah, guards. Right. And for you, you see the whole court. You can make your skip passes, the timing yeah, that you good. have on the pick mm-hmm. and rolls. Yeah, that's the most, like the strongest, uh, I think, tool of me. Like getting my core division, I see over the defense. Like when you point guard, and we got some point guards like one meter eighty-five. They're using a pick and roll, but they they can't throw the passes over like to the corner if there are too many guys in the paint. And that, I think that's my strongest thing. I can't really like pass the ball easy to the corner when everyone is collapsing in the paint. And that's I think the strongest thing in my pick and roll game. Yep, I I, I totally agree. But even then, you still like see over the top of the finish, but you 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 have perfect like touch on the lob pass, and and it just seems like you and uh, Ibrahim have been playing together forever because you guys have a lot of chemistry on the on the yeah, pick and roll, and you're definitely it. utilizing him as a vertical lob threat. Now let's talk about your outside shooting. It's something that has really improved this season, yeah. and mm-hmm. during this time off with the quarantine where you just putting in a lot of hours in the gym working on your shot or is it just more confidence uh i mean it's it's a, it's a little bit of both um mm-hmm. i i will i want to i'm gonna start with the beginning i was a really good shooter when i was young and uh but i was a really skinny guy and uh i worked a lot on my buddy like two years ago and come I was really like every day in the in the gym working on my body, on my chest, on my arms, and it was like difficult to combine to work on my shot and get the yeah the body and uh, I don't know how to how to say it, but it was really tough to combine it. And yeah. um, when I I started really I added like 15 kilos in a year, and it was tough to because I had really two years tough shooting, uh, and after that I started a little bit less in the gym and I started working on my shooting like because I wasn't really good shooter. It was tough to miss a lot of shots when you was a good shooter in the past. So it was really mental, a, a really mental part of it. And um, I mean, I worked a lot on my shot like last year, Corona time. I, I went every time to the gym, put my shooting every time. And yeah, it's, it's paid, it paid off in the Euro Cup because I wanted to be ready for it. So I, I train players. I've trained NBA players, EuroLeague players, and I've always like had an interest in what type of drills players are working on in the offseason or in their time off to get better. So what type of shooting drills were you doing? Was it a lot of standstill? Because I noticed that you can shoot the three off the dribble, which I think mm-hmm. is a, a big-time weapon. So just give me a rundown of what a typical day like for you would be in the gym working on your shot. I mean, you can see in Europe or in my games too. I I prefer more the three than the two. Right. I rather get a pull up three than a pull up mid range because I don't know what it is, but I have just like you said confidence. I have more confidence in my three than in my pull up jumper. And if I if I work more on my pull up jumpers and my floaters and my 
touching and touching inside the paint will be right way better. But still, my shooting, uh, I, I mean, I'm a I'm a decent catch and shoot player. I think that's the most, best part of it. So I will I will like take a lot of shots, catch and shoot with a shooting machine, mm-hmm. and like one dribble pull ups. I think that's the only thing I will do in my shooting, like one one dribble pull ups and catch and shoot. I think you're like the potential to be a good three point shooter is already there. I think like watching your film, the pull up off the dribble because of your height, nobody's going to be able to contest it. You'll be able to get whatever shot you want. I mean, Kevin Durant is not like the best comparison, but because he can handle the ball and he's like seven foot, he can always get to his spots and just elevate over the top of smaller defenders in the mid range. And I think for you, you have the same, um, as far as like body control, fluidity and again i'm not saying like you're kevin durant but i think you get what i'm saying know. as far as being able to the most, shoot the most people guys. in belgium are comparing me with like uh a livingston but sean. not the middies but the tree yeah i mean i guess sean is another example of how he was always able to get to his spots by using his length but he never shot threes and if you were able to combine the mid and the threes off the dribble man you're going to yeah. be tough to defend because you can make right. teams pay for helping out or, or putting a smaller guard on you or double teaming because you're such a good passer. Now, what is your, your goal for this season? I know you guys are probably close to the halfway point. What is your, your goal for the remainder of the season? Um, yeah, it's really tough to say because um, I just want to win. Right. I'm, a, I'm a team player. I really want to win. And um, we got a Belgium Cup, and we got yeah because we got kicked out of the Euro Cup. We got two go- two more goals, and that is winning the Belgium Cup and winning the Belgium League. We got now Ostend, the other big team in Belgium. Mm-hmm. They're uh, nine times in a row champion, and I really want to stop that streak. I really want to end that streak and get us the the trophy and and the cup. So that's my really goal of the season. Um, a part of the team, I really want to progress in my, in my, on my body, on my shooting, everything. So I will be ready for the draft and I really working on it. I'm really putting time in it and I think I will be ready. Now, are you playing, is there any summer competitions this year as far as like with the national team? I know it's an Olympic year, but it really is not supposed to be an Olympic year, but do you have any obligations with the Belgian national team this summer? I mean, uh, last year we were like, yeah, it was tough because I, it was my last year under 20 with the yeah. national team. We were about to play A division for the first time because we went two times, like we, we, under 18, we were third place. Mm-hmm. And under 20, we were third place. And two times we like went to the A division, but I couldn't play it last year about because of Corona. And it's, it was really tough because I really liked playing uh, national team. Yeah. So... This year, nah, it was my last year. Oh, I didn't think about you missed that. Because you know that was like Denny's breakout, you know, Denny yeah. Avdia. He dominated the under-20s, and that kind of really put him on the map and solidified him as like a, a top-10 pick. I was, I was a little bit unlucky. I played always B division. Yeah, I've never, I've never had a chance to go to the B division. So I went to, in 2017, I went to the A uh man i'm starting to get the tournaments mixed up the one that was there was one in egypt in 2017 i went to that one 
Um, and okay. then 2019, I went to the under 18s and the under 19, the ones in Greece. Yeah. But I think uh -huh. yeah. they had a tournament, the same tournament going on, but it was the B division. I forgot where it was at. Um, and I remember like seeing that that's, you kind of had like a really strong performance, if I'm not mistaken. Where, where was it at? The, the, the under 18s. Under 18? Yeah. It was in Macedonia. That's right. That's right. Because some scouts came from Macedonia to, to I think, mm -hmm. 18s were in Volos, Greece. Or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So mm -hmm. how, how mm -hmm. does it feel or is it a pressure of being like, like right now you're the face of Belgian basketball as far as like the, you know, the, the youth divisions. So how does it feel now you're going to be trans, you're going to be, moving on transitioning to the senior team is it a lot of pressure of being like known as the best youth youth basketball player in your country um it's kind of double because um i'm pretty humble but a lot of belgium per people think i'm i think high of myself but that's that's not true because i'm a really a humble guy and i i, I always take it step by step Mm -hmm. So I don't, I don't feel any pressure because I know what I can do and what I will do. So it's not really a pressure. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, just getting to know you a little bit, but I guess I can see somebody may think that you're not humble because you play with so much confidence and you play with <laughs> yeah. like this flair and confidence to your games. And I think it's easy for some people to take it the wrong way. Like I like this thing you do when you know you're making your shot, how when you shoot it, you already run back mm -hmm. on defense. Like it's like, I know it's good. I felt it when it left my hand. I actually mm -hmm. love that because I like confidence in players. And I actually heard a scout say once, it's kind of funny, but it's his theory. He says when he's scouting a player, he wants to look at his girlfriend. He says if his girlfriend is beautiful, that means the guy is confident. <laughs> <laughs> he yeah. said a confident yeah. a beautiful girlfriend means confident guy and a confident guy usually ends up being a confident player i thought that was funny but that was just one of the things that that he he looks at as far as like players because yeah. he really was big on guys being confident mm -hmm. playing confident of yeah. course you know being humble well, yeah, but you gotta play confident you, you have to i mean it's 90 percent it's 90 percent of the battle so as far as like the yes. NBA draft, I think you declared for the draft, was it 2018? 17? 17? 18. Yeah, I so, declared, but I knew I, I wasn't ready for that draft. I, was, mm -hmm. I knew I was talented, but I wasn't ready. My, my agent said, we're going to put your name in. We're going to see what, what teams say about you. Okay, I declared. Uh, I, uh, we, how do you call it? We withdrew. Withdrew, yeah. And yeah, now this year we're going all in. Did you get a chance to talk to any NBA teams during that process? Uh, me no, but my agent talked with uh with some um with some coaches and with NBA teams. But uh, I focus always on my game. I also told my agent like, if if they really want to talk, I will talk. But I want to be focused on my game. Like now, I want to be focused on my team and on the Belgium league and we will see what happens after it. All right. So let's say, you know, you have a successful season and then after the season, you're preparing for the draft. What are the three things 
that you'll be focusing on as far as working out that you want to get better at to prepare for the NBA? Um, mentally. Okay. Um, I want to be ready because it's, it's tough to go to the States. You, you don't know anybody. You got you to gotta show yourself. You can't have a dip. Like, you got to be ready for it. Then, yeah, I, I want to be ready on my body. I want to be in the best shape. And, yeah, that's it, I think. Okay. Those are the two biggest keys. Now, have you been keeping up with Alexei Pokashevsky and how he's played in Oklahoma City? Um, I've I seen he was a little bit struggling. Yep. Um, but I think he's very talented. He, he didn't really play on the highest level. Uh, I mean, uh, he didn't really play professional yeah. game but i know he is really he's seven foot he can dribble he can shoot he's really talented and i i think it's it was a great uh yeah it was, it was great to compare him to me because we got a little a little bit the same game game but yep. yeah i don't know how to, mm, but yeah i think he's doing pretty good i think it's just a little bit um he got a get his mindset in the game and if he's getting confidence he's gonna grow into the league i think yeah i mean i think he's in a tough situation simply because mm -hmm. he's making one of the biggest jumps ever like it's a it's going to be a jump regardless yeah. if you're going uh -huh. from the euro league to the nba i mean you look at guys mm -hmm. like tia dosik or plenty of other nba players or high level european players mm -hmm. made the jump but for him he skipped so many levels because he was playing like yeah. second division <laughs> Greece. And then he has to jump to adjusting to a new culture, a new country. And then they're throwing him out there playing NBA games. He's struggling, but he has shown that, you know, just the skill yeah, that's, set that's what that I mean. everybody yeah. likes. And so, he yeah. Really play, but it's just like, he, he just got dropped there. He yeah. never played on a on a on a high level. I mean, he played on a high level, but not really minutes. And he just got dropped there now with a new coach with a new yeah, know, around yeah. him. And it's really tough for a young player like that. Yeah, he's he. I mean, I think he's like 18. He's barely yeah, he's, he was barely yeah, old yeah. enough to enter the draft. Yeah. So, on one hand, I think it's good that he's getting opportunity to play. On the other hand, yeah. I hope that you know he doesn't get his confidence hurt because he's having to adjust to so many things that all coming at him all at yeah. once. But I compared you to him because I was actually at the tournament at the under 18s where he kind of had his breakout performance and he showcased his passing ability, how he moves, his shooting, and just the whole skill set that teams fell in love with. And I think that you could be this year's Pokashevsky as far as a guy that all of a sudden out of nowhere, everybody's talking about you as a as a first round pick. I personally have you as a, a first rounder on on my on my uh, draft board, which I haven't put it out yet, but I'll probably put it out within the next week or so. And right. I just kind of see the similarities. But one of the things that I've mentioned in previous podcasts is I feel like you are probably going to be more prepared than Pokashevsky because you have played Euro Cup games. You have played on a, on a higher level and you're a little older. So mm -hmm. I think that you're probably in a better situation as far as being prepared for the NBA than he is. And again, I, I kind of 
I'm glad he's playing, but I kind of feel sorry for him because it's like, man, they threw him to the wolves right yeah, at once. I was about to say that, yeah. Hopefully. It's really tough for him. Yeah, I mean, it, it would be tough for anybody. Hopefully, mm-hmm. uh, I don't I have to check and see. I know there's a, a G League bubble. Hopefully, he can get a chance to play in the bubble and, and just kind of yeah, get. I, I think that's going to be the best for him. Yeah, get some experience because, again, mm-hmm. I mean, I've, I've, as an adult, I've lived overseas, and I know it can be a little difficult going to a different culture. And I have friends that, as in their 30s, they wouldn't be able to survive. Mm-hmm. For yeah. him being right. so young, it's tough. So mm-hmm. now you seem like you keep up with the NBA a lot. Who are some players that you see yourself in or players that you like to kind of emulate how they play the game or or you would like to study their game? Ooh, that's tough. That's a tough one. Now we're talking about KD. I like KD's game. Yeah. If, if I really can't choose one player to be, yep. I will say Kevin Durant. Even LeBron is the best player in the league, I will say KD because he can't score in so many ways. He's tall. He can dribble the ball. He can do everything. Yeah. So he's, he's kind of unstoppable. Yeah. I mean, I've had a chance to probably one of the, one of my most memorable basketball experiences. It was maybe 2014. A friend of mine was friends with Carmelo Anthony and Carmelo called him and says, Hey, I want to invite some guys to come up to New York. We're just going to play pickup for a whole week. And Mm -hmm. so my friend was like, do you want to come? I was like, yeah. I would love to. So at that particular time, it was Carmelo, Kimball Walker, uh, I think David Lee played, J.R. Smith, um, Lance Stevenson. I'm missing somebody. It was quite a few guys. Tim Hardaway Jr. was there. So and then Kevin Durant comes. So it was. So that was like the first day of Monday. Then on Wednesday, KD shows up in the gym, and He's in there and being able to watch those guys play like pickup basketball mm-hmm. up and close, you have a, a newfound respect for them. You already respect how great they are, but just seeing them up close and in person, you see how dominant they are. And then you actually see how tall KD mm-hmm. is and literally unstoppable. Carmelo at that yeah, time was unstoppable. But one of the things I liked about Durant the most was he is one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. There's nothing about him that says, I'm a superstar. I'm one of the best basketball players in the world. Mm -hmm. He remembers everything. He talks to everybody the same way. And so I want to say that was probably... What's that? Because you you know JT, like uh, Jason Tate? He's playing for the Rockets right now. Oh, yeah, yeah. From... uh, Oh, did you play with him? Yeah, I played with him. He's 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 also one of the nicest guys. He was always like... Humble. He was always like open to us. He, like like now he's still reacting funny on me when I'm talking to him. He's always like he's the same guy. It's not like people yep. that change going to the league. They're not changing. So that that's cool. I forgot he played there because I know mm-hmm. he. Did you play with him for one year? Because I how long was he in Australia? Yeah, just one. Just yeah, one year he, in Australia. Yeah, one year. Yeah, but okay. I was more on the bench then because I just came from second division. Yep. But, and then, yeah, I played one year with him, yeah. Okay. He's a nice guy. 
Yeah, KD's a nice guy. I ended up running into him a few months later. And, you know, I said hi to him. And he remembered me. And he was just asking me questions. And he actually came on my – I did a little video series. And he came on there. And he was talking and took a picture together. Really, really nice guy. All right, now, who are your favorite European players? Like, who are the players that you look up to in Europe? Ooh, that's a tough one. Oh, uh, Theodosic, he was nice. I, I really liked him. Not, not because I played against him, because even before I liked him a lot, because his game, his passing, skill set, it's, yeah, just crazy. It's unbelievable. And um, also... The guy from Turkey. I'm not good at with names. The point guard from Turkey. But he's also American. He plays oh, Bobby Dixon. Oh, uh, Shane. oh, Shane Larkin. Shane, yeah, Shane, Shane, yeah. I like him too. He's not really the same style as me. He's more, he's yeah. more smaller and stuff. But I really like him. He's a, he's a nice guy. I like, he's a really tough guy watching him play. It's really nice. Do you think he's the best point guard in Europe right now? Uh, yeah, it's tough. He, 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 if he's hot, he's hot. You can't stop him. Like, but also the guy from Moscow, the point guard. Mike uh, James. Yeah, James. Yeah, those, those are those who I would say the two, I would think yeah. the two best point guards, especially American yeah. point guards. I like Roddy Bubois mm -hmm. too. Um, I had a chance yeah. to watch him work out. He actually lives in, in Dallas. So he was actually working out with, uh, with, with Ibrahima. All right, so who's yeah. your favorite NBA team? Or do you have a favorite team or are you, are you more so following NBA players? Uh, I like Boston, okay. Celtics, and the LA Lakers. You know, I think for – I don't know. I never put the connection together. But if, like, you type in your name, NBA, it always comes up on Celtics blogs. So is, is there – a rumor that Danny Ainge was interested in you or, or something like that because I really don't know. I really don't know. Yeah, it comes I up. Lot, I see a lot of Celtics fans also or Celtics blogs tweeting about me, but I right. don't know why it is. But yeah, that's that's know. interesting because I was trying to figure out what was the connection there, why the Celtics. I, I know they really they were really like last year they were really interested in me and they really they they're still really interested in me, but more I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you've definitely – this is your, like your breakout, your breakout mm -hmm. year. Right. All right, so what is something that you like to do in your spare time? Like when you need a break from basketball, are you – do you like hang out with friends a lot? Do you read, watch a lot of movies? What is something that you like to do? Uh, it's tough because I like to play basketball even in my, in my free time. But I like to travel. Okay. Uh, with my girl, with my girlfriend, I like to travel. Also, my family is really important to me. Uh, my mom, my dad, my sister—they're really important to me. So, if I get some free time, I really spend it with my family and my girl, because I'm a lot away. I try to get as much as hours in the gym. So, also sometimes it's tough to bond to your family, but yeah, if I got some free time, I spend it with them. Now, what is the identity of Belgian basketball because when I think of Belgium I think of this country that's like sandwiched in between Germany and France and so what is the identity of, of like you know for example like a, there's a reputation for Italian basketball players 
there's a reputation for French basketball players. What do you think is the identity of a Belgian basketball player? Damn, that, that's a really tough question. That's a really tough question because Belgium is a really small country and right. we don't have really like special things in our game. But uh, I really don't know. I can't answer this question. Sorry. So is, is basketball or where does basketball rank as far as like the most popular sports in, in Belgium? Oof. Like on the fifth place or something? Fifth. So what's number one? Football? football. Yeah, sure. Football. Then we got like uh, bicycle, or how you Cycling. call it? Okay, yep. Cycling, yeah, with the bike. Uh, volleyball. Okay. I don't know if you know the sport. Yep. <laughs> Handball. Okay. And then okay. we got basketball. <laughs> so basketball in Belgium is really not. If you see the news or something, yeah, it's you, not as big. You will, you will see basketball at the end, like in a small, or in the paper, like sometimes, but not not a lot. Now, are there any Belgium-born, or not necessarily born, because I already said that with Tony Parker, but has there been any guys from the Belgian national team ever make it to the NBA? No. So uh, you... only, the, only, the only one that got drafted, but he didn't went to the NBA, he didn't receive the contract, was uh, Axel Herfel. Oh, okay. I've heard the name. Okay, yep. But he got drafted like 50, 50 yeah. 51. But he played for Real Madrid that year. Yeah. So he didn't. There is not one Belgium uh, player in the NBA. So maybe I will be the first one. Who knows? Yeah. So I mean, is that okay. is that exciting for you that you know? Let's say you you're a first round pick, which as of today I think you are, and now you're gonna have the whole country possibly following you and watching you in the mm -hmm. NBA. Is there a little pressure behind that, knowing that you could be the one that changes Belgian basketball forever? I think I, 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 can, I hope I can't do it. Because I really want to, when I played for the Belgian national team, I really played for the country. I didn't play for myself. Right. But yeah. I really wanted to put Belgium on the map that we got to, like, too many Kamara. He's, he's playing for Georgia. Really mm -hmm. good player. So I think we got a lot of really good players in Belgium. So sometimes Belgium is an underrated yep. country. But so that's why I want to really make it get bigger. Yeah, that, and, I, that and I, people will know watch it. Well, if you end up being a first round pick, you'll definitely put Belgium on the map. Now, so yeah, you say you've been with the same team your whole and en entire career. Has there been yeah. opportunities to go to like some of the bigger clubs in Europe, like the Real Madrid's or the Barcelona's? Yeah. Um, so I played from my three years until my 18 for mm -hmm. Antwerp. Okay. Yep. I still playing, but at my 18, uh, I had a decision to make. I had like good offers from Ostens, the other big club yep. in Belgium. And I had a great offer from Barcelona. And it, but it was more for the second team getting involved with the first team. Yep. So it was a great offer. Mm -hmm. It was a, a difficult decision. But uh, yeah, I had great plans with my physical trainer because he worked a lot on my body, getting me ready for the next step. So it was a, a tough decision to stay in enter, but I think I made a good one. So what was like the the 
final reason why you chose to stay because it, I imagine it's hard to turn down Barcelona just because one it's yeah, it Barcelona. Was, it was it's, I, I received a, a five-year contract mm-hmm. from Barcelona and as a kid, if you see the contract, you, you want to say yes. But I was more like, do I need it? Do I need it or do I want to make the next step? And I really wanted, wanted to play a professional level, like mm-hmm. the highest level in Belgium. And I think that was the right decision. If I see now, you, maybe you know Harris Bratanovic. He played for Barcelona second team. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know him. And he came back because he was not he was not liking it there. He was not getting the minutes they promised. So it's tough to go there on your 18 without any yeah, how you say it, uh any experience of playing on the highest level. Yeah, I mean there's the the, the kid from uh Senegal that's projected to be a first round draft pick. And I think he just got his first minutes on the A team, uh Baji. I think he oh, just, yeah, 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 I think he just got his first minutes maybe like a week or so ago. He had been playing on the second team. And then yeah. um is um it's an it's it's a couple guys, right, that are on their second team right now that are supposed to be yeah. um I can't think I of the other guy. Yeah. I I'm bad in names. Really bad. <laughs> bad at names. All right, so yeah. what do you think is the part of your game as far as needs the most improvement? Like, what do you feel like you need to work on the most? Uh, I think you said it in your previous clip about me, previous video. Mm -hmm. I think my mid-range game and my my touch around the basket, like my floater game, I think my my, my touch around the rim is kind of good, but I think like floaters, mid-pull-ups, step backs in the paint, uh, like uh, one dribble pull-ups, I think that's the most the most thing I need to improve. Yeah. And then, of course, like with any other prospect, just getting stronger. Like, you know, there are some yeah. guys that are born with like these great bodies early. Like I think of Garuba. He's already has a yeah. grown man's body and he's had a grown man's body for years. But for most players, it's just developing into your body, getting stronger. Then once you get stronger, you'll be able to. That was really tough more. for me because last year, mm-hmm. my weight was like 78 keys so i think it's like 160 lbs i think oh wow yeah and now so, i'm now i'm 94 so it's like 210 so i improved a lot 40 pounds you put yeah. on so i like yeah. to put on that much weight i mean did you have to was it a lot of muscle did you have to change your diet did you have to eat a lot more or was it just yeah, natural I, progression I, yeah uh, it was a lot of just work and uh, um, my food was really important too mm-hmm. because you can't grow if you just also cheat on yourself. Yep. You got to be really into it, like really into it. Otherwise, it won't, it won't work. So one of the things I like about what I've seen about you, not only in your game, but just overall your mentality is like you love basketball, like you're, you're focused, you are a, a basketball junkie and you're doing all the things as far as like working on your body, getting stronger, eating to help you prepare for the next level. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. if I'm an NBA team, right, and I want to draft you, what are the three things that you bring to the table? 
for the team? Yeah, just like like what can I guarantee to get out of you? What are the three things, whether it's hardworking, uh, skill set? Like what is something that – I mean, energy. I will say energy. Mm-hmm. First of all, energy in the team. I will get uh, a lot of energy. Even any role I get, I will put 100% in it. I will be on practices. I will be – I will give myself always 200%. So energy I will put on the first. Hard work ethic getting better every day and um, just be a good team player. Yeah. You know, Uh, one of the things I I haven't mentioned is your defense mm -hmm. with your, your size and your length and how well you move, you have a really high upside as a defender. And to me, in order to be a good defender, it takes one, you have to have the physical tools, but then you have to work hard and have the, the energy and the motor and just the overall mentality of wanting to be a good defender. So what drives yeah. you to be a good defender? Like you've already been blessed with the physical tools and you know, uh-huh. like Europeans don't have reputations of being defenders, you know? True. Um, so, I will say I will start of it. Um, my offense comes mostly of, out of my defense. Um, if I if I'm really into the game and I really pressure in the ball, like my first year of professional basketball player, I played on the on the point guard only on the point guard. I was back at point guard, mm-hmm. and my uh, the coach asked me, even if, if I play five, ten, or fifteen minutes, I, you need to pick pick up full court every game. So it was a, it was a tough tough thing for me because I played against guys that was. 30 centimeters, uh, uh, how do you say, smaller than me. Mm-hmm. So full, putting full court pressure on some small guards with great handles was really tough to me. So uh, it was a lot of effort. And I think that made me a, a decent defender. I, I really like to pressure the ball, uh, get my hands on the ball, like getting steals, getting blocks. I really want to work for it. So that's, that's the thing that really drive me, drove me. Yeah, which is good to hear because, you know, even on my video, I I didn't put any defense on there. I just kind of focused on the offensive end. I do plan on coming out with a, another video later in the season to track your progress. It'll be a little bit more in depth and just kind of cover your versatility as a defender because I think you can defend one through four, at least have the potential to defend one through four. Right now, it would be tough to defend fours in the NBA because of the size advantage. Guys are going to be a lot stronger. But as you fill out and get stronger, I think that it's going to be easy for you to defend multiple positions. Now, what motivates you? You seem to be really driven. What What is motivating you and driving you? Uh, whew. what motivates me the most is that people always underestimated me. Like they didn't believe in me. They say I, I couldn't play on the highest level in Belgium. They like, really broke me down. And I was always like, "Are gonna improve? Are gonna prove them? I can't. I can't do it. And I will. I will do it." And they, like the first time I entered the draft, like three years ago, everyone was saying, "Like you're never gonna get drafted." Not even for not second, even second round. Like they were saying, why, why are you entering the draft? And I, I didn't, I didn't react to it. So I think that's the most thing that motivates me. Like dob, daughter, doctors, doctors, doubters. Do you think the doubters were 
so critical because it's kind of like uncharted territory for somebody coming from Belgium. You know, like if you're from France, then they know like, okay, we've seen plenty of French guys come out. We've seen plenty of Spanish guys come out. Do you think a lot of it had to do with it's only one other person in Belgium has done it? So it seems like it's so unrealistic. Yeah, maybe, maybe that can be the reason, but still, uh, it, it really motivated me. And I think if they didn't were there, uh, I wasn't here. I think because of that motivation, I really changed my mind and I was really into it. I, want, I really wanted to prove them wrong. And that's why I keep pushing myself into it. I love it. I mean, I just love hearing how, how motivated you are. Did you ever get a chance to listen to that podcast about Giannis? It was on like ESPN app and they told the story about how Giannis Antetokounmpo became like this, how they found him. If you haven't, you should check it out. And one of the things that the scouts loved about him is when they were asking him questions about what motivates him and everything he said is, I want to be the best. And mm -hmm. they were just impressed with how driven he was because he didn't seem like he cared about the lifestyle, the money that comes along with it, the cars or just, he didn't seem like, oh, I can't wait to get to the United States because, you know, I'm, I'm going from being poor in Greece to rich in the United States. Everything that he said was totally about how focused and how driven he was on being the best. And that's one of the things I've noticed about you already is that you have like this confidence in yourself, but you're mm -hmm. also like super motivated and, yeah. and like you want it, like you really, really want it, which I really want it really bad. Really yeah. Bad. Because as a person that does scouting and I'm not even scouting for a team, one of the hardest things to determine is how bad a player wants it because it's one of those things where if you own a team or you're the general manager, you're giving a teenager millions of dollars as a teenager. Mm -hmm. And with millions of dollars and a lot of free time, you can do whatever you want to do. You can go out and buy a Lamborghini <laughs> with your first paycheck. You can go out and hang out and meet like all the supermodels and all that stuff that goes along with it. And I think there are a lot of players that, once they get to the NBA, that's their goal is to get to the NBA. And once they get there, they don't understand that you have to put in work to stay there. And if you're mm -hmm. driven to get to the NBA because you want all the money and the fame, once you get that, then it's like, what's next? So that's why it's a, a crapshoot because some guys just don't make it because they already have all this money. I had a friend of mine, an NBA player, tell me once, he says, do you know how hard it is for me to get up in the morning and push myself and push my body to the limit and shoot 500 shots every day when I have enough money in my bank account to where I can go anywhere in the world within the next 24 hours? And it kind of made me think that... It's tough because basketball was always like... I I like to play basketball. Some players literally like professional players say they play because of the money and because, but I, I, I really like basketball. I like to play basketball. Even in my free time, if I can play like five on five against mm -hmm. some, some dudes on the street, I will do it. I don't care if I play for money or not. Like, so yeah, I really play because it's, it's fun. That's, I love to hear that. So my last question is, 
did you ever have opportunities to play college ball in the States? I believe I read that yeah. there are quite a few schools that were recruiting yeah. you. And what made you decide uh, to stay at home as opposed to playing college ball? I really didn't have an option because I had really good scholarships. I had Arizona, I had UCLA, I had uh, Texas Tech. I had really good offers, but my school results were really bad. I didn't fi finish high school because my results, I, I only focused on basketball. It was really tough to, to tell my dad and my, my parents to, because I really put it, everything on basketball. I quit mm -hmm. school because I wanted to play professional ball. And that was really tough for them, but they always been behind me. So it was really a tough decision. And that's why I didn't went to the States still. Gotcha. I so finish. I guess now this is the otherwise official. I think I went. You would have went? Otherwise, I think I went, I went to the States. So how long have you officially been a professional? Uh, I think this is my third year. Third year. Which is, I think it's an advantage. You know, in the States, you can't be a professional <laughs> unless you leave. Yeah. And you yeah. have to still do your schoolwork. And whether guys are actually doing schoolwork or not is debatable. But you don't have the option to, like, really be a professional and earn money. Yeah. Even though some guys are probably getting money under the table. But just, like, yeah. making it your I job. <laughs> yeah, it, it definitely goes on. So I think that is the, the one advantage that international prospects have is that they get a chance to be a professional. They get a chance to work out every day, travel, play against other grown men. I think in a lot of cases, it can be an advantage. I'm young. I'm really young, but I, I got a lot of experience at the moment because I played against good people, but I also played with a lot of guys that had a lot of experience. Yep. So that, that's the most thing, because if you're playing college ball, you play against people your age. You never play against players with a lot of experience at high level. You play against your same age. Okay, maybe a little bit older. Yeah. But you never play against guys that really play 10 years professional level who are going to help your game. And that's what I had really had. Yep. Yeah, you don't get a chance to play against a, a legend like Milos Teodosic yeah. <laughs> on the college level. Well, man, I really, really appreciate you coming on. I know we had a couple scheduled conflicts, but I thank you for coming on this podcast and just kind of telling me about your background and, and even like the audience that's listening to getting a chance to, to know you. Again, this is Raphael Barlow with the NBA Draft Junkies, but nothing but net channel on Dash Radio. I am with Vrenz Blindberg, who I think is a first round pick in the 2021 NBA Draft. It's a deep draft. So in order to be a first-round pick, it's, you have to have something to you. And I think he has it. Again, 6'10", point forward, can pass, shoot, make plays. This is Raphael with the NBA Draft Junkie Show, and we are out.